welcome everybody to this episode of a dark mind journey into madness from author james p doyle on this episode of the podcast jim is going to be reading from his forthcoming book a perfect health it's a memoir of his life and his life experiences and his life experiences are unique um, to most people and that's why it makes this story very interesting to tell. Jim suffers from a mental health affliction known as OCD with hyperawareness. And hyperawareness um, is like the, the standard forms of OCD, as horrible as they may be. Hyperawareness means that Jim can become hyperaware of the smallest things going on within his body within his environment, within his life. So for example, Jim might become consumed with thoughts that he won't wake up if he falls asleep. So consuming are those thoughts that he may not sleep for days. Jim can become consumed with his breath and, and fall into a tunnel of just being consumed and thinking about his breathing. That is the daily battle that Jim faces for control of his mind due to hyper-awareness. It's an affliction that causes great suffering, anxiety, and stress, but Jim is not sitting back and complaining about his condition. Well, he's accepted it, and what he says is, I'm going to make the best out of these experiences that I can. Jim could be taking some drugs, but it's primarily to numb things, and he would be giving up a lot of his sense of self-control by doing that. Jim has opt opted to fight this affliction through a routine of deep breathing, meditation, and yoga exercises to gain a sense of control and help to rewire his body, his autonomic nervous system, and his brain, growing more gray matter, for example. But it's a daily battle for control of his mind. It's as if he has a pit bull in his brain, in his mind, fighting him for control. What Jim wants to do is take his experiences, as horrible as they may be in this affliction, and do a couple of things. Number one, stand up and say to everybody that suffers from mental health afflictions that we do not have to be shamed, we do not have to be stigmatized by what we suffer. We're suffering from health conditions, and when we suffer from health conditions, we can raise our hands and seek treatment without shame, without being stigmatized. And that's a great symbol and vision for society, for others. Secondly, Jim wants to take his experiences, and starting with this memoir, and share through storytelling with others, so that others can have a greater understanding and listen to these stories and be become aware of what's exactly going on. So two things, sharing his stories, standing up as a beacon of light and hope for others so that people do not have to suffer from stigma and shame. If you're suffering from a mental health illness out there and you're listening now, raise your hand up and follow Jim down this path into the light. Please seek help. There is no shame in what you're suffering from, and that's what Jim's vision 
and mission is in life is to share the gifts that arise from these life experiences with others and become a symbol that we don't have to hide in the shadows any longer. With that said, Jim is going to read from chapters one and two of A Perfect Help. Perfect Hell. Chapter 1. What is it like to have a mind like I do? A mind that questions everything. A mind that cannot live with any uncertainty. It is a perfect hell. It is a mind that sees danger everywhere that cannot be content in any particular moment of time. A mind that is always waiting for something bad to happen. It is a radar that is constantly on the lookout for danger and always finds it. When I was young, I could get lost in a particular moment of happiness or even sadness. But now, even in a happy moment, I find myself waiting for something. A happy feeling seems out of place. It seems wrong. I must always be on alert, even while asleep. There is no peace in sleep. Sleep feels dangerous. What if I don't wake up? What if something happens to me while I am engaged in sleep? I cannot be on constant alert if my consciousness is not fully engaged. So I wake myself up constantly through the night. The question of my existence and existence in general is foremost on my mind. Even though I know there is no answer, I will keep posing the question. It is relentless and consistent. The things that used to be distractions for me can no longer hold my attention for very long. I am an accomplished musician. I write music. Although for the past two years I have been unable to write any new music. In April 2017, I had a seizure while I was driving my car. It was a serious accident. I was in a coma for a while. Since then, I have been stuck in this frame of mind. Nothing feels safe. I discovered that I had what is called an AVM in my brain. It is a tangle of blood vessels that did not form correctly. Mine is located in the memory center of my brain, so any attempt to fix it would likely cause severe memory impairment. So how do you walk the line between living in the moment and knowing that there's something in your brain that could kill you? Is this what is feeding my existential crisis.
my first memory is being four or five years old and my father dressing as Santa Claus. Nothing special about it, just a pleasant memory. There were many pleasant memories as I look back on my childhood, but there was always an uneasiness. There was a lot of tension in the family dynamic. Until I was 16, we lived either next door or a few doors down from my maternal grandfather and grandmother and my mother's sister, Madeline, and her husband, John, and their two children, Tony and Phyllis. My Aunt Madeline was always over the top emotionally, but she was very sweet and kind to me. As I look back, I can see that she was probably suffering from the same issues I deal with. But she always left me with a feeling of uneasiness, always cautioning to be careful. She used to tell my cousins that if they did not behave, she would send them to see Amy. I did not know who Amy was. She seemed to be someone like a wicked witch. This always gave me a sickening feeling when I heard it, and I imagined all kinds of terrible things. As it turns out, Amy was just a babysitter she would use sometimes. My mother, Marianne, was also telling us to be careful, but I didn't feel the same kind of dread, maybe because I understood her better. My mother never screamed or got out of control emotionally. I always felt safe with her. My mother and father argued frequently. It was mostly about money. I realize looking back now, the kind of pressure my father was under. But he was quick to anger and dealt the punishment. The problem was, most of the time, he could not stop himself once he started spanking. Many times my mother would say, Eddie, stop. This only added to the walking on emotional eggshells. That was constant. But I know now my father was a good man. His job did not pay nearly enough for a house, a wife, and six children. But there were always constant arguments. Sometimes it was arguing about other members of the family but mostly it was about money. I remember dealing with this by retreating inside of myself. I remember praying rituals. I remember throwing off imaginary arrows from my body. I remember having an imaginary tormentor who would tell me dire things that were going to happen. My best friend growing up until I was 16 was my cousin Tony. We did everything together. My aunt and uncle took me along with them to baseball games, amusement parks, and other enjoyable activities. They gave me a great love of baseball, which I still have. It wasn't all bad. I have five other siblings in my family. Besides me, my sister Deb, my brother Frank, my sister Judy, my sister Kathy, and my brother Joe. 
We did not go hungry, but we did not have much at all. For instance, we could not get new clothes whenever we wanted, but we always seemed to have what we needed. At Christmas, we always got at least one thing that we wanted, but there was always that feeling of uneasiness. When I was nine years old, I had to have my tonsils out. This was 1963. They did not have the kind of anesthesia that they have nowadays. It was ether. Ether is a very pungent and very slow acting anesthetic. I remember being brought to the hospital to have my tonsils out, but not really understanding what was going to happen. I remember being on a gurney and a very kind nurse trying to talk to me about baseball. Anything to get me to relax. What was about to happen was going to have a very lasting effect on my psyche. I remember having the mask put over my nose and mouth and being told to breathe in the ether. I remember how it felt. I was having my consciousness ripped out of me. I felt claustrophobic. I was in full panic mode. I remember thrashing around. I remember screaming. This was all of my worst nightmares coming true. I was very small for my age, but it took many nurses and doctors to hold me down to force me to breathe in the ether. So there I was, not being able to move and having my consciousness forced out of me. This feeling stays with me even now. This is obviously the basis for my lifelong fear of being paralyzed. I'm having my consciousness ripped from me and not being able to do anything about it. After what seemed to be forever, eventually I became unconscious. Strangely, I have an image in my mind of one of those never-ending spirals that they use in hypnosis. That is the image that I saw in my mind as I became unconscious. What a horrible experience. I remember waking up in my hospital bed, throwing up blood. <laughs>